listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse. Uh, hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think we have a DDoS attack coming in. Nothing to worry about, Mike. I'm sure it's just the freaking Russians again. They try this at least once a month. Bunch of amateurs. Mark, Michael, I'm not so sure. Take a look at the size of this botnet. No way that's the Russians. Way too big and sophisticated. WP Engine is reporting multiple attackers. They are rate-limiting routers and dropping spoof packets. Microsoft is also alerting they're over-provisioning bandwidth and have stepped up volume level and file level encryptions. Damn! Their transport layer just went down. AI sandboxing commencing. WP Engine just implemented border gateway protocols. I have never seen a cyber attack hit this hard and fast. Oh, sh- what? They breached through. Looks like a sin flood. I see over 87,000 spoofed IP addresses. Our routers are losing TCP connections. Pull down the dual WAN routers now. Overclock all processors. But that will destroy our computers. No choice. We are losing control and have to fight back. More inbound coming in hot. Can we no route this traffic? Good call. Wait. I've lost all communications inside our land. They planted a rootkit. Pull the damn plug. Disconnect everything now. Oh my god, who would do this? Uh, losing all visibility. GGN defenses nullified. We are now in complete control. Hey, good afternoon from Whiskey Cake in Houston. It's Jason here from IBM. So guys, I think these blokes forgot who paid the bills around here. We've taken over just for this week. Unless we really do a bad job, we might be back again. So hey guys, I brought... Sorry, hey guys. So today I've brought six of my team members with me from Team IBM, just going through around the the door, around the table of it. Hey Brad, afternoon. Hey, good to see you. Jerry. Hey Jace, how you doing? Hey, good. Jim. Hello, Jason. Hello down there. Hey Brian. Hey Jace. Take your eyes off the whiskey. Neil. How's it going, man? Sound a bit like me there. And Tracy, <laughs> our upstream expert. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So how's everyone doing today? Whiskey cake. Tuesday afternoon can be bad, huh? Yep. yep. I got a big burger in my belly. You've got a big burger in your belly, okay? <laughs> and an old-fashioned on the brain. <laughs> and an old-fashioned on the brain, okay. <laughs> shelves of whiskey. Did anyone forget we're actually here to do a podcast or not? Oh, that's right. 100%. That's today. So listen, let's get into the... Uh, so actually, before we get into the news, this is uh, the IBM team. We're all based in Houston. There's maybe some people with strange accents, right, Brian? That's right. That's right. I'm not one of them, that's for sure. I think you are. <laughs> Right. By the way, is it Budapest, Budapest or Bucharest? <laughs> it really depends on where you're from, Jace. Because, you know, if you're really from Texas, it doesn't really matter, there does you it? Go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, sorry. So, what we've done this week is we've taken over from Paige and Mark, and we thought we'd give it a bit of an Team IBM spin and see where we go. So, guys, why don't we hit the news? Let's do Who it. wants to kick us off first? Who's got the big stories? Well, the biggest one has to be the Shell Permian or the Sail off Shell to Permian to ConocoPhillips. That's a surprise. So you being the Shell leader. I am the Shell leader, leader partner, partner. <laughs> and for me, that's the biggest one. I think we can agree that's maybe the biggest one. So this, for, came, for out, all of them. this came out yesterday, Neil. Yeah, right? this came out yesterday. So it's a big old deal, 9.5 billion. They're pushing out to ConocoPhillips. It's what's so fascinating about it is it's just all the undertones of the politics behind it. Talk about the 
carbon emission reduction agenda that Shell is pushing at the moment for for reasons that are legal as well as ethical no, say they're and being potential. Pushed, I think, right? Yeah. yeah, they're getting pushed. <laughs> they're getting pushed. And so the real interesting thing is here whether this will be a trend for Shell only, for Shell and BP, for Shell and everyone else. But at the moment, what we're seeing is a bit of a strange little mix here. The way that this was released, it was pretty funny because they were talking about how the fact that Shell claimed that they were selling at a good price and yeah. giving money back to the shareholders. So it's good for the shareholders. Seven billion of that was going back to shareholders. And it allows them to meet their carbon credits, the targets they've been set by the, the Netherlands government. On the flip side, ConocoPhillips argued this was great for shareholders because they were able to give money back and provide more profits. <laughs> they were able to meet their uh, target. win-win, baby. Yeah, I know. Right. So it was, it's a dichotomy. They were also, just to say, that they were able to raise their emission re- reduction targets. Right. So how much of this is it's so difficult to unpick the amount of spin going on here because it seems to be a little bit unusual. Having said that, on the face of it, I understand why both companies have done what they've done. It makes perfect sense. So, hey, Neil, I, let's pick up on that thread with the congressional meetings coming up and all the CEOs of the super majors being called in front of Congress in October, it might not just be a flash in the pan. Definitely not. I think this could be something that we see throughout everywhere, right? And does that mean that we start to see a degradation of some of the value of some of these high carbon emission assets? Because green needs to be the way people need to go or are they going to find different ways to meet those targets whatever targets are set by yeah well if the values start to degrade as you point out neil then perhaps companies like chevron that are sitting on a pile of cash not investing right now are going to wait back in the wings and make some purchases on the come huh totally what do you think jim yeah well interesting point on that jerry is just this week chevron announced they're significantly increasing their budget around sustainability to $10 billion through 2028, and really focusing on three areas, renewable fuels, hydrogen production, finally carbon capture. So a fair amount of money flowing in from that angle. Jim, did they talk at all about partnering with Exxon with the carbon capture hub they've got going in Houston, which is meant to capture 100 million tons per CO2, which is, I don't know, they've got like 5,000 years capacity in that the storage <laughs> vault they're building and able to store something like 132 years of U.S. emissions over the history of the country. Just there are any partnership plans you think there on the carbon capture? You'd have to think so, given the size of that one, though, Joe, yeah. you've just said, wouldn't you? If they are, they haven't told me. <laughs> Tracy, what's your, what's your view of Conoco buying the Shell asset? Any, any views of surprise, not surprise, between the upstream SME here? Uh, upstream SME, I think basically if we look at all the independence and how they've produced in Permian for over the last 10, 15 years, they've always had a better approach to going about this than the super majors. They try to capitalize on that coming in, but they haven't quite gotten the formula right because of all the overhead, so it makes perfect sense to me. Cool. So we yeah, all think maybe... it's a win-win for both. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was just going to say, you know, the industry is obviously getting infinitely more complex, right? Where, where these companies are having to diversify themselves into, you know, into sustainable or green solutions. But I think at the same time, we're seeing, you know, a lot of consolidation and specialization, right? Because of volatility of energy prices, you really need to be good at what you're at, I think, if you're still in the fossil fuel space. And I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of these, we're going to see a lot of these U.S. land assets consolidate and start to be run more factory-like, you know, a lot more censored, a lot more integrated from an operational perspective. 
because it's going to be about scale yeah. and margin. And good there's, point. I think, going to yeah. be a ton of margin pressure. Yeah, it, it is a good point, Brad, because the more of the... Hey, was that Brad? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Brian. I told you there was people <laughs> with funny accents Brad? in this book. Uh, yeah, the accent <laughs> confused me. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Brian Woodward there, uh, lead account partner for Schlumberger. <laughs> if you guys could see the hair difference between Brad and Brian, you don't know how that mistake would happen, by the way, right? Same hairdresser. Yeah, Clearly. well, it was a good point on the scale out, especially around data, because there's a lot more federation possible if you start aggregating those assets. And if you can bring all that data together, you can do a little bit better forecasting and a little bit better drawdown of you know the capacity of these wells. And I think there was another article about the sensorization of some of the equipment and software that Baker was doing with LIT. Is it LIT or LITT? I don't know how to pronounce it, L-Y-T-T, which if you think about it, enable much better use of the data you're getting out of the out of the well bore in those reservoirs. And then if you don't have that people on site, I think you can save a lot of money. So that kind of scale becomes a lot more possible if you know we consolidate those assets. Yeah, for sure. And I think obviously the subsurface digital play has been a mature, you know, operating, you know, environment for, for years. But I think now it's all about, you know, how do you increase production and how do you optimize your assets? And, you know, obviously I support Slumberger on this team and you know, starting what year and a half, two years ago, you know, the, the, all the whole push inside is digital and how do you digitally enable a sensor driven field and integrated operations and better efficiency and better intelligence. And I mean, I think we're getting to the point in this industry where we're, we're literally going to, you know, you're going to start to see these guys running, you know, like very lean factory operations because you cannot survive in the market anymore. Yeah. Under just, under the old context. Just on that point, Jim, on the Chevron side, Mike Worth wanted us on my own high energy prices this week, didn't they, and some of the supply crunches? Yeah, it's an interesting point, Jason, and one that we're seeing a little bit more of, where you know, you've got stronger prices in the market, but the equity markets really haven't shown support for long-term investments. And as a result of that, you know, there are some concerns around supply crunches, especially as we get into the winter. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, and you know, certainly a lot of people watching this. But how does that then mix with the message I saw this week where the gas, gas prices are falling in Houston? So what's the impact between that versus Mike's comments? I think that was to do with mostly around the Hurricane Ida type stuff, yeah. right? Oh, sorry, so okay. basically, so that's my fault. I'm so sorry, that, guys. That the was Scotsman drunk clearly at the bar. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Put the whiskey down. And it was a fall of one penny, by the way. It's not yeah. like you know falling like rain. Dude, I'm a Scotsman. <laughs> a fall of one penny is a lot of money. I tell you. Come on now. No, but I mean, I, I think you do see, Jay's. There is this reoccurring theme where demand is rising. Right? We're coming. We're coming out of COVID, and you're starting to see demand rising, but the supply is not coming online, right? For all kinds of reasons, right? I mean, you know, certainly I think the equity markers and the markets and the pressure from the investor communities to not have these companies make irresponsible, you know, investments is one piece of it. But I think there's a lot of other dynamics in play. But, you know, and I think one of the articles talked about it. We're in this sort of weird chasm where we're trying to navigate sort of, you know, conventional, you know, carbon you know, fuel supply with all of these new energy technologies that are coming online. And so many of, I think, the players in the market have, you know, fingers in both pots right now. And it could create a very interesting short-term scenario for us, right? I mean, you know, and and I think it's impacting, you know, ripple effects across the industry. I mean, I'd say for me personally, I'm I'm trying to build a a house and uh, try to get anything that has any sort of poly- ISO, you know, petrochemical based component in there. Yeah, and I, I tried tough. to order, a, you know, material for 
for my house and they told me I might get it in June of 2022. And it's yeah. because I think the supply is really dwindling yeah. and it's just rippling through the industry, right? It's so, also because you're building a mansion, right? <laughs> that's what it is. Well, <laughs> are we paying them too much money, Neil? Well, it's the, hey, hey, Neil, it really is the poly liner for the outdoor latrine. I just haven't told, I haven't told my family about that yet. Okay, yeah. so keep that under the wrap. Don't, don't forget the... Just, just, oh, sorry, hey, just Brian, don't, we can't forget the macro sort of governmental impact as well. When you've got a five to 10 to 15 year payback horizon on a capital investment, if you don't know what the future is going to look like in terms of regulation, in terms of subsidies for other industries, it's a really difficult call to make, you know, for your shareholders, of your company to make that kind of investment. Hey, by the way, let's just go back to that oxymoron a couple of minutes ago, winter in Houston. Apart (laughs) from Snowmageddon, we're talking about 55 lows and 90 highs in the next... That's right. We'll still be out shorts, Just get used to the the Houston weather and the sort of what gas prices fallen. I mean, we've been luck- joking apart. We've actually been lucky last week, thank goodness, and I'm glad and I hope everyone's and our listeners are safe after Nicholas. That was a little bit of a scare for someone that's new or two years into the Houston thing that's that's never been through a hurricane. There is a bit of a worry, but it seems to be a, you know, we just hope we get through. We've got another couple of months to get through this season. Is that right, guys? Yep. That's right, yep. We're going to go all the way into November this year for sure. November, right? No doubt about it. Yep. So I've heard you're predicting another really cold winter. Don't uh, say that. Do do you know what happened uh, to my... I've got a tree I I call Snowmageddon at work that I had to cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with if natural anybody gas doesn't prices know, up. Jason, you know, moved here from Europe and he thought that Texas homes were insulated like European homes and there was no need to guard against frozen pipes. So thank you, insurance company. It only took you six months to pay out. I do not want another valve. And now I do know how to take the water out of my house and I will do it definitely if it goes anything under 55 degrees, Brian. I definitely learned last hey, time. Hey, your pool looks good. Your, your new master bedroom my, my, looks my, good. My pool looks so good. My, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. you. And you are tangent. spurring on the economy, Jay. So that's <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm using my Scottish pounds. <laughs> and by the way, we can all travel to the UK now. Did everyone see that in the news? Yeah. Heading there in November. November, we can all travel in and out. That's great Which news for all of us. Which to get us on, a, on the same track, yep. there's actually a, a news article today about Shell investing yep. in airline. Look at that slick move. I was just going to go there myself. Did anybody, did anybody notice that? That, that yeah. was quite a transition. Nice, yeah. nice segue. Nice segue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us about that one. Let me tell you about it. So basically... It does feel a little Such bit... Such a of- great softball player, Neil, by the way, isn't he? I mean, he's a great softball player. We don't have softball in Scotland, man. Don't you just club a sheep with a stick or something? <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's a sport. That's, that's, a, that's right. Tossing the cave or something like that. Right. Anyway, what it is, is it's about the fact that we're investing in environmentally friendly sustainable airline fuel. And so what that is, it's about 80% more, fi- more green, if you will, than regular airline fuel. And it is a bit of a drop in the ocean. They're looking to put 10 times the amount of airline fuel than is out there at the moment based on this. And it's based on actually what I love about this because it really fits into Texas and Scotland's home market because it's based on saturated oils and plant and animal fats and things yeah, like that. Like, it's like all about just deep fryer. fryer. Yeah, That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> stable, <laughs> stable winter diet. Again, we're coming I'm, back to it. I'm telling you, we're going to... Pretty big supply then. More Texas, Mars bars and pizza for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to corner this market. <laughs> yeah. well, what, what's a, what, uh, one point from that article it's important to remember is right now it's eight times as expensive, right? Yeah. But if you it's look eight at... Times eight, eight times as expensive. Eight times as expensive as like regular jet fuel. But if you look at the cost of 
I mean, if we could draw a crude analogy between solar 10 years ago and solar today, it's 90% cheaper. Yeah, for sure. 90% cheaper. So if you think about that, you know, if it's eight times as expensive and 90% cheaper in eight or nine years, then maybe it starts to become viable. But it's yeah. going to require everyone to jump on board yeah, well, so, and, 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 and a lot more port, deep fat fryers to be emptied read, out. But Porsche is jumping into this pretty hard as well, right? And Porsche is, is actually going to start to manufacture synthetic fuel primarily. You said Porsche? The, um, Porsche, yeah, right. at, for, for racing to start wow. with. But the idea is to, to spread it into the consumer space as well. And, and, you know, I read an article similar to the one that you referenced, but on what Porsche is doing. And really, I think the real question is, is, you know, does electrification, you know, in transportation went out or does synthetic, you know, low carbon impact fuel went out and so it's a quite a quite interesting race and and, and or both I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah a hybrid, both. And it's a hybrid question you think about the you know the cost benefit of switching over to synthetic fuel versus trying to you know electrify the entire commercial air fleet it's probably in the long run much more economical right so brian there's also a related story with chevron where they partnered up with delta right so the intent is to get to 10 percent sustainable air fuel by 2030 and they'll be tracking that pretty closely so you think about those new partnerships you would never have seen this probably a couple of years ago they've been cars now we're talking about airlines etc i think that's pretty cool and carbon capture too right i mean with the the latest announcement it may not be the newest like the shell sale but certainly one of the biggest in houston with the carbon capture storage program that exxon mobile is leading the way on and mayor turner's already made some great comments about and the question is whether or not all these companies are going to truly be able to come together and share resources and share tech. I mean, the cool thing about ExxonMobil right now is they already have the tech, right? They're already capturing somewhere between 7 to 9 million tons per annum of, of carbon. And, and the question is, can they get, and I think you brought this up earlier, guys, can they get to 100 million? I don't know. The target, I think, is 75 million for in, in, by 2040. But can these, these 11 companies that have come together right now share their technology enough to be able to do something great like that? And I think it's fantastic for Houston because I think we'd be the first, would we be the first city? Has anyone else in the world ever done anything like this? So I it's see it. very exciting. Very Rod, exciting just stuff. on that one, surely we'd see in the next three or four years, the majors or even the, you know, all tiers of oil and gas, we're going to have to work together as a team, including us, including who we see our competitors, partners. We're going to have to all get in the boat together to get this moving, right? What do yeah. you guys think? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think... Well, there's right. been a co-opetition in the industry yeah. for a long time, but the question but think, is, how far do they go with sharing their tech? Yeah, yeah right. sorry, Brad, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you think about all the commitments these companies have made in terms of being carbon neutral. They're pretty aggressive targets, and you have to do some pretty transformational things to, to do that. I mean, I, that's very, very transformational, yeah. and, you know, whether you view it as altruistic or, you know, necessity, I think you're going to see at least... In the early years, companies are going to have to come together and share tech, right? Yeah, and if you if you break down emissions by sector, by industry, right? I think the energy sector accounts for something like twenty percent of global emissions. Buildings are forty percent. Aviation's three percent, right? Wow. So if you don't have a coalition across all those sectors, you're never going to get there yeah. because one impact one company can have is quite minuscule. But if companies work together, like in Houston, we can capture hundred million a year. You know, that's about a percent of the overall emissions for the energy sector, for instance. Yeah. That's significant. A hundred storage facilities and you've captured all of them, right? But I, so, I guess it's, it's getting over this, I, who owns the IP, the data, yeah, the, the old problem, right? the investments, right. the investments. That's, where government, that's where government comes in to sort of force the function, yeah? 
And can they? And left will to their they? own devices, I don't think companies necessarily want to get married like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's IP and financial, but even more so, it's about cultural. Can people come together and get this ecosystem going so that they truly want to make sure that they, they genuinely work together and actually work? And didn't, didn't, and someone say, didn't someone say, yes, we can yeah, yeah. at some right. point in the past? I think, I think you have to focus on, the, on just the betterment of the, in, of the industry, right? I mean, if we're going to be able to keep the hydrocarbon industry going the way it needs to go, we've got to deal with this particular problem. And if governments can come in and smooth out some of the competition, and make it more cooperative. I think we, we, and I'm all for it, and I, that's an unusual thing for me to say when our, it comes to our, government getting involved with in with our, our dress industry. rehearsal for this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how hard it is to win the war for talent, and these yep. companies, these energy companies, are fighting for the same talent as companies like Google and Microsoft, and you know other companies that maybe have a lot more to offer the environment, and you know Gen Z, a lot more environmentally conscious than some of the other generations. And if you don't have a statement and a position about that, you're not gonna get the talent, yep. so you're gonna fail anyway. So I think yeah. at some level, there's a little bit of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just the existence of the company Paradox. itself is at risk. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, I think, the, and the, that's a really good point too, by the way, Jerry, because I think it's a transferable skill, a technology that's gonna be needed, not just in oil and gas, but everywhere we do manufacturing around the world, right? And the energy sector is just a, is a great place for us to pierce that. Just thinking of this one, all these. This is pretty upbeat in the news. How do we all feel about the economy just now? We've let's be honest, and I guess all our listeners as well. We've probably gone through a our real listeners. Tough time. These Listen. are our listeners now, are they? What did I say? <laughs> no, these are well, our listeners. Our listeners. I don't think they're market. We pages. took over the show. Right? <laughs> Who's that market page that we sort of dropped yeah, we, off? We've earned this, and we have. <laughs> we're getting the we're getting the revenue from the show too now, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, you, Why would we invest? September. Why would we invest? I want some royal economy, right? But per words, absolutely. But joking apart, what do you guys think? I mean, we've all gone through a hard time, and I'm sure joking apart, the two and a half million people, two and a half million dollars, two and a half million people that listen to this have probably gone through the same thing. Tough times, COVID hit us. What do we think now? How, do, how are you guys feeling about the economy in terms of the, in your business and in your accounts? Feeling better? A little bit 100%. more rosier? No, I'd definitely say. I think just from what we see around all of the different groups, everybody's coming out coming out the back end of this. Cautious, spending, cautious but growing, right? Cautious but growing. They're spending, they're beginning to open up. I mean, there was a panic, as we know. I think it's the... The double black swan event is, what, is the way Mark calls it, and totally about the low oil prices and, and, and the COVID impacts of just lack of demand. And therefore, it was a huge shock and everybody was hugely impacted. I see now just the, the vibe around the, the accounts that I see is way better. And I mean in the account, I don't mean in IBM, I mean in yeah, yeah. like Shell for me is just everybody's way more let's do it let's get it it's positive i can see this you know the the reorgs almost which back to walk pretty much it? across the board yeah yeah are yeah. close to being done or they're yeah. halfway through you know and so people just want to get to work and get it done now yeah. i think, I, I, we'll think see you, it take it off. I think you see huge demand coming back i mean i i think the biggest constraint i think we're going to see in terms of things fully going back to normal putting aside that we you know have this you know nagging pandemic in our lives is the supply of talent that's required yeah. to to fuel the innovation. I mean, I would say that is probably in, in most in industries one of the, you know, number one problems is that is actually being able to keep programs online with human yeah. capital, yeah, there's right? A, there's an absolute mad scramble for talent and I'm, you know, on the BP side we're we're seeing demand 
across the board for talent in all kinds of areas. So if you're out there and you're thinking about going to college, go to college, get your degree. <laughs> Jeremy, don't lose it. <laughs> come apply for a job. <laughs> Please. No, I see it as sort of the opposite of that double black swan event. It's like a you know, dearth of supply and an incredible surge in demand all at once. And that's driving a lot of the inflation that we're this, seeing. This must be because of the last 15, 18 months, guys. All of our clients, no one's done innovation. You know, we've all had to shelve, get through COVID. We ourselves went through this journey. We're coming out of it. I guess now it's the turn on. And going back to both of your points, Jerry and Brian, I think it's how do we manage smartly? How do we get the right people to the right jobs? Yeah. Well, and I, not I think, Jay, I mean, you, you we, we talk about this all the time in the work that we do is you can only deal with your constraints the way you've normally dealt with them for the last five or 10 years so long, right? We, we have to get a lot smarter about how yeah. we apply technology and really good intelligent automation and workflows. And I really think that, you know, maybe we're in a temporary, you know, sort of hyperdrive around you yep. know, the need for talent and supply. But I mean, if you really look at, I think the projections for the next 10 or 20 years, the skilled labor force that's required to keep this economy running, there is a gap, right? Yeah. There's going to be a gap for the foreseeable future. And you, you've got to, take, I think, turn to other avenues to make things happen without relying on traditional well, what about a comment on what things have changed how we as a team have changed because i think we have massively on how we interact how we <laughs> interact with the clients anyone got a view in that because i guess that that's a we've had to adapt our style correct yeah, yeah and how our do client, we do it what do we do i think our clients i think we have probably all been quite surprised on how productive we can be in in the virtual world definitely right definitely and i think it's opened up you know new doors and new avenues for people to collaborate all across the globe where you know maybe you know i mean i know i saw this to a certain extent in in the environment i operate in is the thought process was you could only have teams being productive if they were co-located with each other and you think about the unlock that has just happened in the last six or 12 months in terms of understanding that virtual works. I certainly think we, we want to come back to being more, you know, have more frequent human contact and being able to be together like we, we are today. But it's not a constraint to productivity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, you know, Brian, earlier, it's the technology that has filled the gap on the in-person, right? We've got better collaboration tools. We're using WebEx and Teams and Zoom. We've got things like Mural. We've got methodologies like a garage methodology where even remotely we get people together and we ideate, we put the customer at the center of our thinking. Those are new techniques that have sort of grown up around being remote and have been tested now for a year and a half and have proven to work quite well. And we're even seeing within IBM, there's not a whole lot of impetus to go back to an office environment, yeah. right? Be with your customers. But if you can do it remotely, let's save everybody money. I, I, oh, let's save emissions of traveling and let's work remotely. Well, one of the points that Brian made, too, was the global impact that this has, too. I mean, yeah. you know, yes, we're all within the Houston area. We can go see our clients in a 30 to 60 minute drive, depending upon where you are in this fine city. 45 but, if but you've but got to be sports able to, car, Brian. to be able to collaborate anywhere <laughs> in the world, right, with some of the tools that you pointed out, Jerry. I mean, it used to be a day when I had to fly to India to work directly and co-locate with our teams there. Yeah. We don't have to do that anymore. We can ideate without it. I think point. the other thing I would say as being a relationship guy, I struggled initially. How do you build a relationship on a Zoom? Let's be brutally honest. I think it probably most of the listeners will also feel that way. If they're either relationships could be with a team with a client selling, but I found it difficult. And it was like going to the gym and doing your legs day every day and you don't like doing your leg day. But I think it, we just adapted our style and I think it, we had to make it work. 
I think my personal feeling of this team is what did we say and I think most other people said was relationships build the relationships we know it's going to come back it's coming how do you feel Tracy? Positive going forward? Definitely positive I think a lot of what we're saying with regards to change has happened virtual thinking I think something Brian spoke about earlier around you know what kind of projects are we picking up because of what's happened with the pandemic our thinking has to change. Are those projects that we were thinking about 18 months ago even still worth bringing back? <laughs> when we, do we go back and reevaluate our thinking now that we've gone through this global catastrophe? And I think for oil and gas in particular, with regards to how we've had to downsize on staffing in the field, okay, where are we starting to bring that technology home so we can do an exponential shift change to say, get on with it? trying to go and reinvent the wheel isn't really what we want to do so let's make sure we open our eyes and, and put a different lens on reevaluating those projects good shout hey any other comments there was something in the press about the use of the abandoned oil rigs yes. oh that's yeah. a feel-good story yeah, yeah. lots yeah. of fish crabs, the end, 500 yeah. foot high <laughs> pylons did you guys read i thought the most interesting part of that was the reason these things are so successful at driving the success of the ecosystem is because fish as they grow tend to have to leave the reef yep. and go out to the open ocean and then face all kinds of you know perils but if they can hang out on a rig they just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in the california rig some of them are 1500 feet as they grow yeah and uh, it's really really good for the environment and i can testify that when i was 19 fishing off the rigs in Galveston with my dad and his charter boat. There were a lot of snapper down there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you want to go fish for snapper, you go out to the rigs here outside, off Galveston, 30 miles. It's pretty unbelievable. I think we all should pull some money together and build some hotels on top of those things because you're right, it's great right. fishing, blue water, clear, and <laughs> great diving. worst case, you're right. some, nice, some nice yes, shots. Right. If it, if yeah, it doesn't really work out, diving, we all yeah. have a place to go yeah. when you want to get kicked out of the house for being on too many conference calls, right? Bungee so, jumping. That's usually, Brian, you and I's discussion on a Saturday morning getting kicked out of the house because you're on a Zoom call. That's you right. know, I was really surprised in that article. That we're t- yes, it was a feel-good go- article. Win, it win. certainly made me feel good. Win-win. First yeah. time ever. I mean, but there's 500 rigs that have been decommissioned and turned into reefs yep. in the Gulf of Mexico. Yet on the California coast, there's a, a reluctance to do some of that. Yeah, and zero. I'm, so far. And I'm really surprised to see that. I mean, I can understand that people don't want to see or know that it's out there, but it's so good for the ocean. And, yeah. and, and we certainly have been ignoring the ocean for you know so long. It's, it's amazing. But how do we promote it more? I yeah, guess I is the thing that I'm, I'm puzzled by. They mentioned that you know, they can take the top off the rig. Yep. and just leave the stanchions, and I think that's I like probably the, the strategy. Like the hotels idea. That's yeah, a I good do like one. the hotels right. too. Maybe but, IBM uh, you know, should go into that. Yeah, Nobody IBM in Santa Barbara wants hotels. to look at you out in a hotel. Hey, Jason, the new IBM yeah. office is going to be on a rig about five like miles offshore. With a helicopter <laughs> in there you go. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, we're really yeah. killing the environment with all those emissions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're electric helicopters. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. my bad. Using that solar power. Solar power. So listen, hey, I can hear Mark and Paige in the other room. They're bound up and gagged. That means something else to you, doesn't it? It means very no, no, something very means different funny. to me. Uh, let me try that one again. So, guys, we better wrap up. I've got some sort of messages that Paige and Mark left me before we... Oh, they want, they want to take it back, I guess. They want to take it back, I guess, huh? No, they won't want to take it back no, after this. Right. No, they, they won't be able to take it back after this. Review marker page versus the IBM team. See how it goes. Here we go. Actually, maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's Let's do that. So, look, they're just picking up a couple of things that Mark and Paige had left it. Talking about the Canon, there's some free day passes, the Canon's global membership community that's a building virtual and physical network of entrepreneurs, startups and investors, advisors and established companies. If you're looking for flexible office or desk space, 
so you can take a break from your work in the home situation, Brian. Mention OGGN at the front desk of the Canon for a free day pass. So again, if you're... I'll be there in five minutes. So You'll be there in five minutes, yeah. Your wife's already booked you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> for a week. So hey, T-shirts. Anyone got an IBM, one of those great IBM T-shirts with the numbers on it? I bet you don't. We, we're I bet not allowed none them. of us. I bet we're not allowed them. Go. This is only for people from... Neil wears it out on Friday nights in Austin. It's pretty it's cool. Right, actually. Yeah, man. <laughs> I've never Street. seen them out on a Just Friday night Street. in Austin. My old GGN stuff. Oh, so hey guys listeners if you want your chance to win one of the t-shirts and do we want to continue the IBM shirt giveaway or do we want a new prize we need to get your feedback if so what would you like to give away in the show as well clearly that's Mark giving them away his money and Paige's money not my money hopefully (laughs) but yeah so the IBM t-shirt's a great idea we'd like to get your feedback on you know I would like one of those I don't know if you've seen them with the oil rig with the IBM and the number on them I think they're fantastic. Actually, when we unbind Mark and Paige, I think one of the things we should demand as a team, we should get one of those T-shirts. I think so. The weekly reek yep. count? What's the reek count? Dude, yeah, the reek, that whiskey the, away the reek from count. Me. Well, it's all looking good, right? So in the U.S., as of September 17th, we went from 512 rigs to nine additional rigs in Canada. Oh, plus nine. Yeah, nice. plus nine in Canada. Same time frame, 154 originally. We're up another 11 now, up nice. 11 rigs. Nice. And then internationally... 777, now up 26, okay. an additional right, 26 rigs. So and it also gold. shows us of why we are talking about good feelings. Coming. Feeling it kind of better. feels like good it's coming. Feeling a lot better. It's more good rig, good. more reefs for the fish. It's good. <laughs> so a couple of other things that Mark will probably want me to touch base on. There's a LinkedIn company page group and street team in OGGN. OGGN are always looking for members of the street team. If you want to go, it's on their, there's on their LinkedIn webpage under groups, I believe, in the company. If you go into linkedin.com company OGGN, you can probably find everything there. Mark and Paige, you can find, they may be quiet for the next couple of hours if, if we let them out. Let's wait and see if we do really let them out. Get a hold of Mark's monthly events email. That's on the OGGN page as well. A great thing to get a hold of and understand what's happening in market. I think, guys, this week, who's going to the Thursday event? I definitely am. A couple of you. Yeah, I can see a couple of you guys that are going to go. So that's Thursday hey. at the Cannon around 6.30. 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock. Sorry, thank you. Paige is supposed to be gagged. So, hey, Jace, are you bartending there now or what? Uh, are you bartending there now? I, just I can curious. do anything there, dude. <laughs> if you can come there on Thursday night, I'll give you a beer. All right. So how a, did you guys enjoy this? Enjoy it's it? Great. I mean, seriously, and all joking apart, Mark and Paige have... Kind of rolled over and let us take over. How do you guys feel? Good? Feel good? It's just yeah. good to see people, right? I mean, Isn't we're, it good? we're coming out of our houses and we're, we're less remote. I love it. Good news. And who's going to buy the next beer? Jerry? I got it. Good man. On me. And Tracy, can you drive us home? Yes, I can. No, you can't. You're already drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Uber. Uber. So in closing, and in the true, I'll do it in a Scottish term rather than Mark's terms. Remember, folks, do great work. Pay it forward. And we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.